you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS in Pasadena for a morning of multilingual readings, interactive performances, and lots of kid fun. It's Super Fun Saturday on June 1st. Get your tickets at LAS.com slash events. A little disclaimer. Throughout this episode, you will hear us talk about the Native American Journalists Association, or NAJA. But after this episode was recorded, the organization changed its name to the Indigenous Journalists Association, or IJA. When I was nine years old, my parents told me and my sister Z that they were sending us to El Salvador to meet my three other siblings, Carolina, Jonathan, and Paco. Two questions popped in my head. First, I have siblings. And second... Where is El Salvador? The next thing I knew, we were being boarded on an airplane and sent off to be a whole side of my family that I didn't know existed in a country I had never heard of. I can still remember my first night at my grandma's house. I called my dad crying hysterically to bring me home. Because no one spoke any English. My sister Z and I grew up speaking English to my Spanish-speaking parents to help them learn the language of their new country. We were their dictionary. My older brother Paco sparked my interest in learning about Latin culture by giving me my very first Spanglish CD. Shakira's Laundry Service if it wasn't for him, I would have never appreciated the sazón that Latin music brings to my soul. I learned words, passion, and connection to my culture and family. Two years ago, I received a call that my brother Paco had been murdered. I'm not going to lie, it's been a challenging experience to accept and to heal from, but Ever since then, I cherish even more the gift he gave me when I first met him, the spark to continue learning about my language and culture. Now, something that I truly live by is how powerful words are, how they shape who we are, and how we connect to our culture. I'm your host, Sandy Chavez. This is Future Rewind by Next Gen Radio. We believe the best storytellers have stories of their own. For over 20 years, Next Gen Radio has been finding tomorrow's journalists and training them through local radio reporting projects. I was a reporter for Next Gen Radio, and now I'm back to revisit and unpack amazing narratives with their reporters. On this show, we hear the story behind the story and what they're up to next. This is the way storytelling is meant to be. We'd like to warn you, this episode discusses the trauma of Indian boarding schools. Since 2021, NextGen Radio has done five projects with the Native American Journalists Association, where Indigenous voices tell stories about Indian country from a Native lens. We have to maintain the language. Our people are going to need that if we're going to stay together, if we're still going to be Chickasaws. 
My name is Joshua Henson. In Chickasaw, they call me Lakosh, which means gourd. You don't get to pick your name. I want it to be something cool, like top killer, kills again, returned and killed. But instead, I'm gourd. It's okay. You don't get to pick. This story was produced by Chickasaw journalist Ariel Barb Deer, who interviewed her nation's language preservation executive officer. His goal is to rebuild the community of Chickasaw speakers. But he didn't begin his language journey until he became a father. When my first son was born, I don't know, there's just something about having a kid. I want him to have a lived experience, not as an outlander, but as like someone who was born and raised with his people. So I started learning the language and I met uh, native speakers for the first time. I just had this instinct like, you know, they have everything that I want. Like if I hook on to this language and try to capture it for myself, then maybe I could figure out how to be a good Chickasaw person. I thought this was so incredible. It made me think about why people move, learn the languages they do, and why. I spoke to Ariel and her mentor, Taylor Dawn Stagner. My name is Ariel Favdeer. I am a Chickasaw citizen. And Taylor was my mentor for the NPR Next Gen Radio Indigenous Project. Yeah, she was a wonderful mentee. Those, my name is Taylor Don Stagner. I'm a Rapo and Shoshone on the Wind River Reservation. Ariel and Taylor's relationship actually goes back even further. They both went through the Native American Journalist Association Fellowship at the same time. So shout out to Naja for continuing to bring Native journalists together. Ariel, what's it like to be an Indigenous journalist? I would say that for me, one of the difficult things about being an Indigenous journalist is that the things that matter most to me are going on with a community that most people don't even know is still around. Things going on in the Chickasaw Nation, for me, are the biggest things happening in life. It's what matters most to me. But other people, you've got to start with, well, what is the Chickasaw Nation and who are the Chickasaw people? There's a lot of background information that can be really easy for me to take for granted. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. It feels like we're trying to like report on our communities in a way to get people to notice, to perk up. It's so evident like why it's important to us. Trying to package that for people who might not know that there's even a lot to report on Indian country. That part of it has always been kind of an issue for me. Like, of course, this is important. And it's a fairly small amount of people in the world that like do indigenous reporting and do it well. So maybe that's a struggle too. I want to know more about the story that Ariel chose. How did you get in contact with him and what resonated with you? I knew that I wanted to highlight a fellow citizen. I was ecstatic for an opportunity to share his work and meet him in person because Josh has been doing language restoration for almost two decades. I have grown up admiring him and deeply appreciating his efforts. That felt a little like connecting with a celebrity, honestly. I have been telling stories for eight years, but sharing this one was my absolute favorite. I fully believe that it's an interview that I'll talk about when I'm a Chickasaw elder, not only because I cherish the topic, but also because connecting with a fellow Chickasaw who I admire so much was a profound experience for me, and it made me feel all the more proud to be Chickasaw. I can hear the passion in your voice when you speak about this. Can you talk more about the connection between language, your tribe, and identity? Being Chickasaw is just who I am. 
That means for me, in addition to belonging to the Chickasaw community and inheriting our tribe's cultures, stories, and traditions, I'm definitely endowed with the responsibility to use my skills to contribute to our mission to enhance the Chickasaw people's quality of life. And I think that part of being Chickasaw is being able to connect to the traditional ways of thinking that our language empowered us to access. It's really interesting once you sit down and you start learning about it. There are things in English and ideas in English that you can't express in Chikasha Nompa or that you have to express differently. Language really influences thought. There's an aspect of being able to connect to Chikasha Nompa that allows you to think in a way that is Chickasaw because of the way that the language structure influences the way that you express ideas. I've always been really interested and passionate in our nation's effort to restore our language. My own great-grandparents both met at Chilaco Boarding School, and because of their experiences there, they didn't, they, they, they didn't, they didn't pass on our language. That was a little bit of a traumatic upbringing for them, for sure, and that has just trickled down through the generations. It was so cool to highlight the things that my fellow citizens are doing to bring that back to our people. Thank you so much for sharing that, Ariel. What about you, Taylor? What's your relationship with your language like? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, it's pretty intense. I mean, so both my grandmas spoke Arapaho. My grandma from Oklahoma moved up to the Wind River Reservation when she was very small. So she spoke Arapaho in a Oklahoman accent. She was made fun of by other Arapahos because they couldn't really understand what she was saying and everything. So eventually, like, we lost it. My white grandma actually taught Arapaho here on the reservation because she learned it and she was like, this is worth preserving and they need somebody to teach it. She was an English teacher. So it's an interesting, like, dichotomy that I've inherited there. My mom doesn't speak it. So I know a little bit of Arapaho just because I feel like it's important. I feel so much closer to my family and my familial relations when I speak Arapaho and when I try to learn it and I push past the, oh man, I don't know this or oh man, like this is hard and man, am I even Indian if I can't speak my language? That sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's a pretty tender subject for sure. It's a pretty intense relationship there, but it's, it's one that's inexcrutable from being Native, I think. Your language is, is so important and so precious, and I think a lot of people would feel the same way. You can look back on the history and say exactly why you got in here. I was so struck, Taylor, when you were talking about the reason why I don't have my language is because of this. And we can literally trace it back. And it's the same for me. The reason why I don't speak Chikasha Numpa today is because of the impact that Chilaco boarding school had on my family. And that's only a few generations back. So it doesn't take very long for those really important things to unravel. And you feel guilty for it. I hate that I don't speak my language, but it's not our fault. There is a reason why it is that way, and it's important that people know. Throughout history, tribal communities have faced immense pressure to give up their languages. This was systematically and brutally enforced through the introduction of Indian boarding schools. 
The goal of the boarding schools was to erase Native American languages, cultures, and traditions and replace them with mainstream American ways of life. They actively discouraged the use of Native languages and the practice of cultural traditions. The consequences of this are still heavily felt today. My last granny that could talk um, died in 1938, and she was the third or fourth successive generation to attend boarding school. They, you know, beat the language out of her at school, so I had none of that. So many people alive today share Josh and Ariel's experience. It's hard to estimate how many, but between 1819 and 1969, there were more than 400 federal boarding schools in the U.S. It's scary how these systems were enforced across our country and around the world. Similar things have happened to indigenous people everywhere, including the Sami people in Scandinavia and Aboriginal people in Australia. But there are things to be hopeful about. There's a difference between dead languages and inactive languages. We've had a lot of incredible people preserve our language. One of the things that Josh told me that really stood out to me was, if our language dies, it will not be because we didn't have the resources to save it. It will be because our people didn't invest the time to learn it. All of us, including the brand newest of learners, know that it's our obligation to get this stuff because we're going to be the ones that have it in 20 years when all the speakers are gone. And increasingly, they're citizens that are wholly disconnected from who they are as a people. And if we don't teach them how to be, I mean, they're, they're lost. That really impacted me. And so I just got started on it and fit it in wherever I could. I'm learning how to count to six and different things like that. It's all very elementary stuff. But for the first time in my life, I can introduce myself in my native language. And yesterday, I met a Chickasaw elder who started speaking to me in Chikashanompa. I was able to tell him in our language, I do not speak it very well. I do not know what that means, which just opened up a great opportunity for us to connect because he knew that I was trying. I'm just really excited to spend the rest of my life trying to become eventually fluent with that so that whenever my kids are talking about Chikashanompa, they're talking from a perspective of something that has always been in their life. Chikashanompa Atanali. That means I am learning Chikasal. So Ariel, tell me, what are you doing now and what's next? I view all the expertise that I cultivate as tools to aid me as I strive to honor my elders' legacy and create opportunities for future generations of Chickasaw people. Right now, that has me working in my community with the Chickasaw Nation as the Iowa Walk App Senior Manager. The Iowa Walk App is the Chickasaw Nation's free walking app that takes you on a virtual journey to the Chickasaw homeland. You can unlock Chickasaw words, stories, and prayers. And so right now, my work is really centered on making Chickasaw culture and language accessible for anyone, regardless of where they live. My goal is to always be serving the Chickasaw people wherever and however I can be the most effective. What about you, Taylor? I'm an Uproot Fellow right now, working on a project about Yellowstone bison. And then I'm also working on a couple pieces for High Country News still. And then I'll be uh, in Winnipeg here soon for the Naja Fellowship. 
I'm actually like moving into a non-journalism position because I need a break from it. I think it's important to like step away and do something else other than journalism because it's 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 hard. It's hard on your mental health. And I think I'm going to step away and come back to it later. I feel you. I feel that 100%. And I want to ask, is there anything else you want to add? Yeah. Ariel actually wrote us all very nice notes and made us all gifts at the end of our next gen project. I have mine hanging up in my car right now. It was beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, Taylor, you're so sweet. Yeah, I made finger woven keychains for everybody. But honestly, you guys just poured so much into my life, especially you, Taylor. All week, you were so encouraging. And it is hard to be a journalist, and it's really hard to be an indigenous journalist. It is exhausting to have to say, hey, this really, really not cool thing is going on, and it is affecting a lot of people, and it is really important for this community. And have people come back and be like, who even are Chickasaws? Are Native Americans still around? And then you have to go through this whole process of validating your people's existence and then explaining hundreds of years of policies that are the reason why we are where we are today. So when you're actually in a community with amazing people who are so encouraging and who have been through the war stories, but they still have such a passion for the community, it is just fantastic. And I felt like it was really important to write it down and make sure you all know my gosh, you're the greatest community ever. I mean, it really is a modern day tribal society, the way that indigenous journalists connect with each other and encourage each other and bring their own individual talents to help each of us. Ariel, Taylor, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Before we go, let's talk about how to report on Indian country at large. Be sure to visit najanewsroom.com for great reporting guides a ton of resources, as well as information on how to reach and recruit Native American professionals. There are over a thousand Naja members across Turtle Island, meaning there are lots of Indigenous journalists across the United States and the world. There are also lots of publications that cover Indian country, including Indian Country Today and High Country News. Lastly, this is a tip from me. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, but I don't call myself a native Angelino. Doing so can cause confusion and contribute to the erasure of indigenous people who are actually native to the region, including the Tongva, the Ventureño, and the Fernandeño peoples. This Next Gen Radio project was created in partnership with the Native American Journalists Association and KOSU. If you like this story, you can hear the full version and more at nextgenradio.org. There are groundbreaking audio stories by Indigenous reporters about topics that matter to them, complete with photos, tags, and original illustrations. Join Claire Neal as she listens to D.G. Oakpick, an award-winning poet from Point Barrow, Alaska. Lights, camera, action. Carrie Johnson introduces us to an award-winning filmmaker. From the heart of Shawnee, Oklahoma, Cheyenne McNeil introduces us to a passionate Lumbi and Kohari descendant determined to protect the cultural heartbeat of the Kohari River. Braden Harper introduces us to the realm of Native American cuisine and a chef who serves authentic Native American dishes around the country. This episode of Future Rewind was written, researched, and produced by me, 
Adriana Rodriguez, Laura Gonzalez, Tracy Tong, Yuki Liang, and Selena C. Reynolds, who is our executive producer. Both her and Donald Paz engineered this episode along with Patrice Mondragon. Our theme song is by PJ Shahabat. Our cover art is by Lauren Ibanez. We also had production assistance from Kate Laveau. Thank you so much for listening to Future Rewind. I'm your host, Sandy Chavez. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.